AVXL episode 164 was recorded on December 9th, 2021. Roku and Google hug it out. A new 8K TV from Hisense, CES 2022, rubber feet and subwoofers, and boy, some of you love the chocolate. Don't forget to email ask at avxl.com if you got a question for us. And thank you, thank you, thank you to each and every one of you that support us at patreon.com slash avxl. Your contributions make the show possible. Testing one, two, three. All right. I'm not blowing anything out. Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Welcome to AVXL, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear. No matter what your budget is, I'm excited. Good. I'm Patrick Norton. <laughs> I am Robert Heron. I wanted to see the treasure of the Sierra Madre. And I was like, oh, do they have it at the library? Can I stream it? And then I remembered... I have the Criterion channel, which I love because of classic movies and the treasure of the Sierra Madre, the John Huston film of 1948 that kind of sealed Humphrey Bogart's reputation as being a badass um, or a particularly talented actor um, is streaming on the Criterion channel, which made me super happy. Excellent. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to Cherokee Street Print Bazaar. It's uh, the first time we went. It's here in St. Louis and uh, it's a very sort of you know, it's an artistic community or it's an artistic neighborhood. It is the primary source of quality Mexican food in St. Louis. And one of the people at the Cherokee Print Bazaar had this amazing Repo Man inspired poster. And that got me thinking, I haven't watched Repo Man in a while. And I have a Criterion Edition uh, version of Repo Man, which is a really flawless uh, transfer. And it's it's funny. We'll talk more about transfers uh, a little later in the show with another movie. But, you know, it's always so nice when you get your hands on something like a Criterion edition of a movie because you know they've done everything possible to make that experience as phenomenal as it can be. That is totally cool and worth doing or worth finding when possible. <laughs> so what is it, 13 days till uh, The Matrix 4 Resurrections comes out? Are you going to see it in the theater or are you going to watch it on HBO Max? They're actually doing the world premiere at the Castro Theater in San Francisco on the oh, 18th. You're kidding me. A couple of days, four days before the wide release. I imagine that's going to be a well-attended event and probably very crowded. And I probably can't get a <laughs> ticket anyway. So while I do want to see it and I'm going to basically stick my head in the sand to avoid as many spoilers as possible. It's about a 50-50 shot of me actually seeing it in a theater or not or waiting for it either the disc or maybe a streaming release. I probably will take the plunge and watch it on HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> I went to double check the launch date of Resurrections uh, on HBO Max's website, and it links to, they have a whole get tickets link for uh, uh, shows and private screenings. And I was laughing and I was like, yes, I want a private IMAX 2D screening, and then things got fuzzy. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Apparently, it's too late to book your own private IMAX 2D screening. Now, if the good folks at Dolby ping me and say, hey, you know what? In our Dolby Cinema Lab Theater, we're going to be doing a little testing here, and there may be a certain movie involved. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm not saying no to that. That's for sure. I will mask up and glove up and go see it <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Technically, I don't think you need to glove up. But otherwise, HBO Max for me, then. If that's the streaming source du jour for this right. particular release, then I will look for it there. 
I'm half tempted to see it in a theater just because it's one of those communal experiences you don't get to have that often. Uh, but also, if it's really awful and I burst into tears, I probably don't want to be in a theater. So that's a tough call. <laughs> It'll be a fun ride. I am, I am looking forward to it. Steve tweeted out uh, to us, I'm excited about this new Looper remaster. Uh, Looper being the sci-fi movie that came out 10 years ago. This is the 10-year anniversary of Looper. I'm excited too, right? Uh, one of the things Steve pointed out is some HDR re-releases do an overcooked change to the color that distorts the filmmaker's intent to show off HDR as a format, but this one uses the format to show off the intent, higher quality and more faithful than the previous release, and a link to a Nerds and Beyond article. Um, first of all, Steve, thanks for taking the time to tweet about this. The whole idea of this this 4K release is that it was reviewed and approved by the filmmakers. It's kind of the big deal around it. I was personally glad to see this movie actually coming out in 4K finally. I, I didn't realize it took so darn long as this was one well, of the launch movies in 4K streaming with Sony's right. now defunct FMP. The impossible X one. <laughs> that wonderful circular box they Wasn't created. That George Lucas's first movie? Oh no, that was THX 1138. No. Uh, the FMPX1 <laughs> though was Sony's early entry into 4K streaming services. Uh this thing contained basically a hard drive and would download content directly from Sony. Right. One of the titles was Looper in 4K. And the thing that really got me upon seeing it not only on Blu-ray later was that Sony's version looked pristine. What I didn't realize had happened with the Blu-ray release at least was they applied significant noise reduction to that film. Uh There was a very consistent and appreciable film grain to what Sony was presenting with that wonderful now-defunct service, which has now become Bravia Core anyway. It was interesting to see that difference. I would not have known it had I not seen it from a completely different source. Right. Suddenly realized, hey, you know what? They noise-reduced the living crap out of that Blu-ray transfer, so I'm really hoping this UHD Blu-ray will be a uh, step up or a step back in the right direction. Something that is, at least, as close to the original as possible. One of the things that came out of this, uh, I, I went over to uh, Justin Sluss's website, High Def Disc News, and he says, yes, I know this has been previously released in the 4K format in the United Kingdom, but this will mark the first time it has been available in North America. Update 2, he says, it should definitely be noted this upcoming U.S. 4K isn't even using the same video transfer or the same sound mix on that U.K. 4K physical release. In fact, the director, Rian Johnson, just went as far to actually disclose his approval of this upcoming 4K release in a tweet. He says, uh, Rian Johnson tweeted, this came out excellent, terrific new Atmos mix that subtly enhances the original and a beautiful new transfer approved by Steve that's more faithful to the theatrical release. Cool pre-orders for that are up it's going to come out in february 22nd it's funny i always think of uh i think it was Patton, the blu-ray for Patton, where they had applied so much noise reduction that uh george c scott's face looked like sort of a plastic mask instead of george c scott um, which is kind of awkward <laughs> yeah the potential <laughs> loss of detail from performing something like that where you know folks see any it form of noise and they may complain about it but if it's right. film grain and it's not being overly enhanced by a TV, say, with its sharpness mm-hmm. setting all jacked up, it right. generally makes the movie look more the way it should be. I, I just assume that that Sony streaming service from circa 2013, right. I was so surprised. And it, it's also kind of a shock to me now that we have been streaming 4K now for a decade. 
Well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> some <laughs> people who had the money to get access to Sony's spendy system have been streaming 4K. <laughs> I want to say that was sent to me. And I want to say I still have it, and it still has, well, hopefully it still works, but it still has that looper transfer on there. That was the, one of the few titles I actually purchased, and it's still on that hard drive. I'd be curious to see if it would oh, even allow me to play it again, or if it tries to connect to some defunct server and erases the whole thing automatically. I don't know. Chances. Homework assignment for next week. Yeah. I'm sorry, I cannot verify. Uh, server unavailable now i just want to check out bravia core more uh, clearly it looks like they've just moved the whole thing to a service built into select sony tvs well streaming has changed a bit yes <laughs> although kaleidoscape's still out there. it's certainly a lot uh, easier on the hardware costs for all involved oh yeah seriously people have much fatter pipes connected to their houses now so that makes things a lot easier too good point one last shout out to High Def Disc News. Um, Justin, I mean, I assume it was Justin over at High Def Disc News. Their Twitter account uh, has a recommendation. He says, quote, just going to state this up front. I think No Time to Die on Blu-ray or 4K UHD Blu-ray has one of the best Dolby Atmos mixes of 2021. It's loud and effective, yes, but it also uses the sound space to deliver a very emotional score. So Nice. There is so another movie I to. really want to see, and it would be great to get that on Atmos on disc. And I think I'll do that. I'll check. <laughs> I think I'll be doing a little disc shopping online today. Now I wish I, I was in Best Buy a couple days ago. And now I really wish I picked it up while I was in there in Best Buy. Daniel Craig. Once more into the breach. Uh, Roku and Google have uh, worked it out. And what I'm sure is not going to be the last time we see app availability or, or platform availability suddenly disappear while people wrestle in the background right <laughs> amazing somehow a day before the contract was about to expire they shake hands and sign a new multi-year deal so if you do have a roku device and you had not already installed the youtube tv app yay it has returned and you can now find it on roku service and install it quite easily <laughs> I also noticed that quite a few people were curious as to what the whole deal was. They already had the app installed and it wouldn't have affected you in any way, shape or form. It wasn't as if because it was no longer available to download that you suddenly were having that app removed from your device if you had already downloaded it. It was just if you had never installed it and then tried to over the last couple of months, you found that it was simply unavailable, it wasn't even listed. And that's all back in black, so to speak. I had no problem installing it on my Roku Ultra. Did that about 10 right. minutes ago. And I'm a happy camper. I get my uh, streaming TV service in an easier to digest form. And I don't have to fire up the YouTube app and then click a little link in there in order to fire up the YouTube TV app. I'm feeling better. Somebody said the stock price went up 18% when that, uh, when that announcement went out. It did. And it pulled back nicely today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'll give a shout out to Keith Foster for uh, being the first one to tell me about this. Make it apparent to myself by retweeting that Roku status and letting us all know that, woot, in the words of Keith, it has returned, so to speak. <laughs> I should point out that I found the appropriate cabling to test out that topping amplifier. Very cool. I'm working on that. We'll talk about that next week. Um, 
I was still kind of amazed that something got here from Shenzhen in like three days or less. It's amazing. And I also have a couple of new in-ears, uh, noise-canceling, true wireless in-ear uh, earbuds I'm going to talk about probably next week. Um, weird thing. I was kind of shocked. LG, you said, added Stadia support to WebOS? Yeah. This is more like, if you care, if you're into cloud gaming, maybe you're just curious about you know a more convenient way sure. of gaming. If you happen to have a 2020 LG TV or newer, and once again, my poor 2019 OLED is just crying in the corner, you can now download the Stadia (laughs) app directly to your LG TV through their app store and add that gaming service. I actually love the concept of streaming gaming or a service like Stadia. And like I said, it's super convenient for getting a hold of like a triple A title without having to spend money on like a game console or a high end right. PC. I even like the controller. And if you buy some of the premium titles direct from Stadia, they often will have deals where it will come bundled with the controller anyway. And that's an easy way to get that. If you want one of those cool controllers that I hope they open up to uh, general PC use, even more so going down the road. Anyway, it's cool. There are some titles there that are definitely AAA. It's just a choice, though. If you already have a game console or a decent gaming PC, it becomes a little less, I don't know, enticing to me at least. But for value and for ease and very little maintenance, it's just like, you know what? Turn it on, log in, select the title, and go. I'm laughing because I'm like, wait a minute. I could buy like a 3080 or I could buy, if I could actually find one for sale... Or I can buy an LG TV. (laughs) This is true. One thing to keep in mind with my experience with the service, uh, by default, it is 1080p streaming quality. And if you move up to their pro tier platform, you get the 4K streaming. You're using bandwidth not only for that video link, but also for the controller link as well. And if you have any kind of data plan or a limit in terms of how much data per month you can consume... Be aware, that thing is good at sucking down the bits. And if you're looking for a direct video quality comparison between the service versus something like a high-end PC, I will always take a high-end PC over that service for pure video quality, especially at at any decent resolution. Uh, I mean, streaming is convenient, but can it actually match like the very best image quality out there? I wouldn't put it in that tier. It gives you that convenience uh, with good image quality at an affordable entry point, really. It's nice when there's an affordable entry point. Yeah. From the 8K TV department, not that I ever, I'm all I want is a Dolby Vision projector, but instead more 8K TVs. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand that desire, and you will one day get it. Anyway, if you, if you do need an 8K TV, or you're just shopping for a high-performance 75-inch screen size, Hisense snuck one out. They have their new U800GR. It's a quantum dot, 120 hertz panel with 180 zones of local dimming. It supports HDR and Dolby Vision. It's Roku powered, and that's giving you the full 4320p resolution, which is four times the resolution of a 4K panel. That's a lot of pixels. Anywho, uh, (laughs) currently available at Best Buy and Amazon for $2,400. And for what it is, that's a terrific piece of kit. Right. You're paying extra for the 8K resolution, 
the TV's exceeding a thousand nits of brightness, so it'll work well in a bright room. If that price is right for you and the screen size at 75 inches is the thing, that's one to keep your eye on. However, if you want to save a little bit of money, they do have their U7G series. That's their 4K panel, a good value for $1,200 for that same 75 inch screen size. Is it going to be as bright, the U7? It will be very close, actually. They're, okay. Generally speaking, most of your Hisense premium TVs, like, say, the U7G, the U8G, sure. that U9DG, they're all striving for at least 1,000 nits of light output. In the case of the U8G, it's probably closer to 1,600 nits. Either way, uh, side by side, you would just say, those are bright TVs. This is the watching football on the brightly lit room TV. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I'm curious to finally get eyeballs on one of these televisions with something other than the weird loop at Costco, for example, just to see what 1080p content looks like scaled up on an 8K screen. Indubitably. I'd like to do the quick math of how many extra pixels. I believe that's, what, 16 virtual pixels for every... Ah, anyway. It's a lot of pixels to interpolate. Yes! One quick thing, though, about an 8K TV that I do appreciate is simply that the pixels are smaller. However, like you said, because of the need to upscale just about everything you're feeding it, that will in turn put more stress on whatever processing is built into this TV. And in this case, Hisense is claiming to have an AI or at least a machine trained version that will optimize all of the content going into it and make it look as good as possible. When it comes to at least 1080p resolution being scaled up to 8K... I find that can mm-hmm. look pretty damn good. Something like Blu-ray quality. We all know that there are vast differences in the quality of any particular format as well, depending on how much or not it right. is compressed. 1080p is a good starting point for a video source. When you get into 720p or let alone, you know, SD resolution, that's where, you know, you have diminishing returns on a TV that size. Right. But the thing I still love the most is the fact that if you do plan to sit a little bit closer and you want smaller pixels, a greater pixel per inch density on that screen, that's what AK can do really well. And I almost prefer seeing this at a 75 inch screen size. I, I don't see anything practical for that resolution in a smaller screen, really, unless you're making some sort of weird PC display. But anyway, <laughs> it's there CES is closing in it's interesting they just announced that they had uh, 1800 plus exhibitors and added a, another 10,000 registrations for CES attendees to put that into context 2019 uh, the last pre-pandemic CES had around 4,500 exhibitors showing up there so a lot of the big players have already committed uh, you know Intel, NVIDIA, AMD Samsung, LG, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out and what we see there. I'm curious if any of the smaller audio vendors are going to be there, or I should say smaller in the context of, you know, looking at something like, you know, Samsung, who, you know, generally has a football field of space in one of the prime locations in the center hall of the LVCC. But we'll uh, we'll see how it works out. At this point, I suspect... Uh, a lot of the audio stuff will not be there, but apparently there'll be a lot of automotive stuff, which is not super helpful for AVXL, but uh, be curious to see what's, uh, what's there and what's going on. And you may, you will be flying in to, to check some television screens. Uh, you, you're circling it. I am circling. <laughs> I am circling to consider. I have just scheduled my, uh, my booster vaccine 
and I'm debating if I should attend if I don't have that already. Considering I just went through one bloody flu bug. I don't want to pick up another weird one. (laughs) And I will. I will. The way I operate in Vegas. Oh, mask or none. Boosted and getting a flu shot. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to get my boost on first. One great thing, though, I did check the flights and hotel availability, and it is dirt cheap to go from at least California to Nevada. That's a short flight anyway, but there are plenty of affordable options for me to get there. I have reasons to be there, but, man, yeah, it's under consideration. I want to go. (laughs) I really, really do. Well, on the upside, you know, I haven't caught in strep at CES in several years, but it was two years ago that I got my entire family, three years ago that I got my entire family sick from a CES bug. Yep, that can happen. And you mentioned, too, the reduction in exhibitors this year. And one of my favorite things about the CES show is their North Hall. Right. With two giant floors of just the most random stuff sometimes. I mean, they have their zones for particular things, but... That's where you find some of the small vendors and you can have those just beautiful discoveries of just wandering the show floor like that. And I have a feeling that's going to be probably, yeah, less than half of what it normally would be. Well, hopefully we'll we'll find out. Yes. (laughs) Yes. We'll find out. It's, it's going to be interesting. Because everything that's kind of crazy is they've added so much space in the last few years. You know, there's essentially the LBCC, the Sands, and a couple other locations. So it, I'm curious if everybody's going to have bigger booths or if there's just going to be a lot of empty space in the back of a bunch of the halls. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if we get out there. I'd like to go drag racing through that new Tesla tunnel, too, running between uh, <laughs> the North Hall and the South Hall. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be worth the wait, but uh, if you go, you can tell me all about it. Heck yeah. Take a video. If you think about it, get two to quote a Coors commercial from a thousand years ago. I'll be honest with you. I want to go more for the food than anything else. I love dining in <laughs> Vegas for some reason. It's just, there's such variety and such unique experiences. <laughs> One of the best Thai restaurants in the country is in Vegas. I'm telling you, in man. Strip mall. It's, it's, oh my goodness. It's amazing. Oh, Tacos El Gordo. It's mm. all about Tacos El Gordo. Mm. With that highly non-audiovisual experience behind us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, next Hangout for patrons, December 14th, 2021 at 8 p.m. Rob and I will be online. And uh, I believe we're going to be using Zoom again. So get your Zoom rig set up if you don't have one. And uh, we will see you there. And thank you again to all of our patrons. Patreon.com slash AVXL, your monthly payments your monthly contributions support the show and make it possible and we truly appreciate you thank you got some viewer questions and some comments for everybody this week graham asked on patreon.com slash abxl anyone have any thoughts about using rubber feet for subwoofers i just moved into a new place that has hardwood floors in the sub cave with feet but i've never used them since i always had carpet before any reason i should add these to my sub uh, well yeah are you worried about scratching your floors if they're nice hardwood floors um right you know, all it takes is one drunken party guest to sit on your subwoofer and then drag that into a <laughs> surface trashing run of scratches on the floor. Um, does your sub vibrate or scooch about the floor during battle scenes or big operatic crescendos? And then I also remember like, oh, this is also part of the whole spikes and cones and speaker stands. And uh, there are some fascinating claims based uh, that people make for crazy 
in the audiophile universe, very, very expensive spikes or cones that are added to speakers. And here's the thing. A lot of speaker companies include spikes with their speakers. A lot of speaker stand companies include spikes with their speaker stands. And there's arguments and where people are like, well, it decouples the vibrations of the you know speaker from the floor or, or it prevents vibrations from the floor to the speaker. Uh, mostly, I think spikes are useful if you have a thickly carpeted floor and you have wobble issues and i've i've right. i've been in places where the where there was a big thick shag rug and the speaker stands a particularly loud noise would hit or or people would bump into them and you could see the the speaker swaying on the stand precipitously because of the give in the floor and, that's exactly uh, so why i give in the carpet yeah and so if you have spikes on the bottom of your speakers or the bottom of your speaker stands the spikes go into the shag and they kind of nail everything down. Uh, on a wood floor, they will trash the wood floor. If you're not careful, they can uh, put holes in your carpet if you get too aggressive in, in spoking them around. If you want to geek out on this, there's a whole Audioholics article uh, by Jim LeSurf on uh, speaker spikes and cones. This goes back to like 2007. They talk about some of the claims that are around this. Now, in this article, the author uh, points out that uh, Hi-Fi News and Arthur and Hi-Fi News had been uh, experimenting with an accelerometer and measuring vibration. And I'm going to just quote this directly. When he tried measuring the vibrations produced in a loudspeaker stand by playing the speaker, he found a result that surprised him. With the speaker unit sitting on cones, the level of vibration of the stand was over 100 times greater than if the cones were replaced with small rubbery feet. This indicates that cones are of doubtful use if the intention is to stop vibrations passing from the speaker to the stand or any other solid objects against which the speaker may sit. As you might expect, the Audioholics crew basically says, look, speaker positioning and the room, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and the height are probably going to have vastly more noticeable effects. But I think you are right off the bat. We have yeah. a subwoofer that has the hard plasticky integrated or molded feet mm -hmm. built right into it. But that thing's never rumbling very hard anyway. So it sits right. there just fine on hardwood floors without ever damaging anything. If there was an issue, I would just add the rubberized feet or buy some stick-on yeah. ones if you didn't include them already. And I think you would be good to go. I would add them no matter what, just in case, you know. It prevents that thing from moving around or sliding around any more than it has to. And it adds just yeah. a little bit extra layer of protection to your sub. Brent Butterworth did some testing, and and I believe uh, he found that front firing versus bottom firing subwoofers had basically no measurable change in the frequency response or the the test results uh, that he looked at. Cool. Um, I also admired that Mr. LeSurf pointed out in that speaker spikes and cones article on Audioholics was that he actually likes spiking uh, loudspeaker stands or stands through the carpet so that the speaker is tethered to the floor because he, he thinks it has a noticeable effect. Make the room rumble. Yeah, well, he also says, however, there is no guarantee this impression would be the same in every case or that you would agree with my preference or indeed that I am not imagining the change it makes. Um. <laughs> totally. And there so, are surfaces I would absolutely not use spikes on as well, like tile in particular, just to, any potential area where you could damage something by using right. spikes. Carpet's a, a different issue, depending on the type of carpet yeah. and everything else. But yeah, I have no problem with feats. Feats from my speaks. As somebody who has refinished all the floors in the house before we moved into it and has had to deal with um, 
chairs that lost their pads, creating giant scrapes in the floors. I mean, that's the best reason for me for using rubber feet in a subwoofer so you don't damage a hardwood floor. You know, whether or not there's a measurable difference in the performance between the rubber feet and not uh, would be a fun use of a microphone and testing or having somebody secretly remove the rubber feet. Uh, <laughs> you know, a best of five Pick three songs, play them, uh, and have a friend leave the room and come back and have a friend randomly uh, replace or, or remove the rubber feet. I'm surprised nobody's gone with something like what they have on some tripods where it is like a retractable spike that can go back up into the tripod leg and it leaves you with, say, a rubber base. But if you needed the right. spike, you just give it a quick spin, the spike comes out, and you can drive that into you know whatever surface you need to to hold that a little more steady anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Try it both ways. See which one you like. Oh, my goodness. So, oh, Keith Foster, uh, second mention of him this week. Uh, you were wondering, uh, Rob, if, if the movie codes and 4K Blu-ray uh, titles or, or Blu-ray titles still worked and, uh, and if they are desirable. And at Keith Foster tweeted, listening to AVXL, yes, the digital codes still work. The ones in UHD discs redeem in UHD 99.9% .9 of the time. I redeem them and rip the disc to my Plex server. So I actually took that advice and went and found where my content that I have redeemed so far ended up. And it turns out Voodoo is what <laughs> I moved everything that had canceled and consolidated over to a Voodoo account. And I have a nice library sitting in there now. And that's convenient sometimes. Uh, I can just log into that account and, hey, uh, a handful of my favorite movies just sitting right there in very good quality and audio, too. Not having to search. True. <laughs> True. Hey, we got some messages, uh, some chocolate-filled messages after I talked about the Great British or the holiday sessions of the uh, Great British Baking Show. Whatever it is Paul Hollywood does with various and sundry hosts. Mary and Prue and various other people. Um, Daniel reached out and said, I highly recommend Baking Impossible at School of Chocolate. Me and my girlfriend have been loving these shows. and We just came across a great British cooking show. So what's next on our list? And Laura messaged. Uh, she's one of our patrons on patreon.com. Actually, I think Daniel is too. Thanks to both of you for being our patrons. Laura says the School of Chocolate is incredible. They must have picked really good chefs because they picked up the techniques right away. I love the demos of the techniques they had to use. The Great British Baking Show. The reason given for Noel not being on the latest holiday episode is that he had a baby. Yay, Noel! They did not say he would be back or not or if he would be back or not. True or not, I don't know. And uh, Laura follows up with, Patrick, did you watch Star Trek Discovery and did you like it? I have not yet because I've been reducing the number of video services we subscribe to. And once I get that whole negotiation sorted out with various members of the family, uh, I will have more of an opportunity to subscribe to what I need to subscribe to yes. to get access to Star Trek Discovery. Plus, there's just been not a lot of time for television as I would like. You ain't kidding. It's also Thursday Night oh, Football. Oh, Succession is insane. <laughs> been watching that with my wife monday night football football's still around <laughs> it is and the season of f1 is coming to an end so i'm looking forward to watching the shootout for who takes the championship for the for the year <laughs> those guys might actually have a shootout the way they're driving uh, like i never follow f1 but that nah. whole insanity like I, they're coming into the last race tied for points Pretty much. Running and there each are some... over, running into each over. <laughs> and drivers are switching teams for next year. Some drivers are retiring. So there's a lot going on. 
drama to be had everywhere there. There's a free trial for Paramount Plus, which last I checked, I needed to get Star Trek. Laura, I have a homework assignment for the holiday. <laughs> I will check out Star Trek Discovery. I want Paramount <laughs> Plus for South Park. I I had not quite put two and two together yet and realized that all of the new South Park episodes premiered there. So, damn. What happened to that beautiful website South Park used to have where they had every episode free to watch? <laughs> Those I days. South Park was on HBO Max. Long gone. Oh, is it HBO Max? Yeah. Why did I see the new episode was, I thought it was Paramount Plus, but I could be wrong. Part two of the COVID episode. <laughs> Really one of the great, uh, that and Rick and Morty, <laughs> two shows that are all about displaying the excellence of your uh, your home theater system. <laughs> oh yeah, look at that. South Park post-COVID part two, date on Paramount Plus, watch trailer. I don't know, man. There we go. A service I do not currently have that I may have to consider. Now it says relive the dawn of the South Park era. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Fascinating. I can only wonder with the release of the latest Call of Duty Warzone update today and Halo Infinite coming out like a week ago, is anyone actually working today? That's my question. It seems awfully quiet out in the city. <laughs> I think quite a few people are suddenly uh taking that day off. And I had to just mention that. Also, too, uh, if you're into plane tracking via something like FlightAware and you've set up maybe your own flight tracker using a Raspberry Pi and services like that, take a look at something called ADSB Exchange, adsbexchange.com. They have a rather unrestricted tracking database with a very sweet map that also looks great on mobile, especially compared to something like FlightAware, which I find lacking in the mobile display side of anything. But if you're already running something like, say, a FlightAware tracking service, uh, you can easily add, with a couple lines of code, exchanging that data with ADSB Exchange as well, add that data to their service, and enjoy if you're a uh, plane tracking nut the way I am. Not nut, but I just appreciate the things flying overhead, and sometimes I'm super curious about what it is. <laughs> and it makes it super easy to have a little local server in the house running all that. And anyway... Mm. I dig it. Dig it. ADSBExchange.com. No hardware required. You can just go there and check out that live feed, which it's amazing how many planes are simultaneously in the air pretty much everywhere. And then looking at a map like that, too, one cool thing is you can totally see the certain air pathways they take across, say, countries or across the ocean to specific places. You can see them all lining up. It's just neat, and it's free. Check it out. Yeah. Oh, if if you can good. find a Raspberry Pi to power your tracker with, well, hopefully those are coming back in stock here soon. <laughs> it's going to be a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, I figured it out, by the way. HBO Max paid like a half billion dollars to get access to the first 23 seasons of South Park. The Hollywood Reporter says that there was like a $900 million deal for South Park to get, quote, 14 made-for-TV films of indeterminate length, unquote, for Paramount+. Plus. And then, uh, in addition to that, South Park is going to be running through season 30. Wow. And what's available now on Paramount Plus is a series of specials 
that have been uh, that have been coming around. Okay, so, so yeah. you were right. If you want the classics, HBO Max still has it. <laughs> At least today. It's interesting. Well, I've got uh, that and the Matrix then for HBO Max. They may be getting my dollar. <laughs> so South Park will continue till at least 2027, according to Matt Stone, who also pointed out that, quote, we have been waiting to get canceled for 30 years. <laughs> True that. True that. Starting to figure out how old my children will be at that point. Oh. Hey, if you've got a question, do us a favor, email ask at AVXL or tweet at Robert Heron, at Patrick Norton, or at AVXL on the Twitters. If you want a hashtag, hashtag AskAVXL works just fine. And uh, one more thanks to all of our patrons out there, patreon.com slash AVXL. And a quick reminder, December 14th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific is our next hangout. For more details on that, head over to patreon.com slash AVXL. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Patrick Norton. I am Robert Heron. We'll catch you next week on AVXL.